0: Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.
1: Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. I want to tell you about a task force which has been put together in Congress by House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. He says his party is moving forward with compiling a China COVID-19 task force. He told reporters yesterday the task force will be responsible for looking into possible cover-ups and corruption from China regarding the virus. He also points out that the task force thus far... Uh, or the task force so far has no democrat lawmakers on it
2: i'm not sure why but given what has now transpired with this virus the lies of what china has done it's more important now than ever that they join with us but if they will not we will go
1: alone it was announced just Yesterday, that two members of Utah's congressional delegation would members of that task force, John Curtis and Utah Congressman Chris Stewart, who joins me now. Congressman, how are you?
2: I'm well, sir. Thank you.
1: Before we get into the conversation regarding this task force to which you have been appointed, I something on Twitter this morning caught my eye, and it was something you put up in commemoration of the seventy-fifth anniversary of the end of World War II in Europe. You said that your mom and dad described it as one of the happiest days of their lives. Can you tell us a little about that?
2: Yeah, you know what? I, I'm I'm so glad you mentioned that because I don't think a lot of Americans remember that, and I can promise you that 50 years ago we remembered it. And uh, you know, generally from the intervening years since we have, but as time goes by, people begin to begin to forget. But I mean, this was an enormous accomplishment. If you, I, think, I remember talking to my dad and and saying, well, you know, and he was he was saying how you know how frightening the first couple of days of the or first couple of months of the war were. And I said, yeah, but you guys always knew you were going to win. And he stopped me very abruptly. I remember this so clearly. He goes, no, 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 Chris, we didn't know that. And and look what had happened at that point, you know, not just Pearl Harbor, but other subsequent losses in the in the Pacific. I mean, we we had no army, virtually no army to put into Europe. We were having men that were drilling with broomsticks and no shoes, and we got our butts kicked in northern Africa in many ways, and in and in southern that war. And as looking back in hindsight, we go, well, yeah, it's obvious. But I tell you, in the in the heat of the battle, they didn't know that. And VE Day was a celebration of this incredible accomplishment that this, you know, the Americans who sacrificed, which is virtually every American at the time that they were willing to do and willing to engage to really save save the world.
1: Yeah. It's fascinating history, and it's a piece of history which we ought to look back on with much gratitude for the sacrifice made by those folks, your parents certainly included, Let's now turn our attention to this task force to which you have been selected uh, to serve. What's the deal with this force?
2: Yeah, you know what? It's not just coronavirus either. Um, it, this is something we've been trying to work on for probably seven or eight months. Uh, it's something we had an agreement with the Democrats that we would work together on this in February. And in fact, we were about to make an announcement. About mid-February and the day before, they backed out of it. And and I really don't understand that. I mean, uh, I think that if there's one good thing, one tiny silver lining out of the coronavirus and the, and the tragedy that's been for so many people in so many ways, but it has kind of realigned not just Americans but the world thinking that China just isn't another trading partner. They're, they're not just a guy across the ocean who builds really cool plastic things. Uh, they are they are ambitious. they
1: hmm. We're going to have to check on our connection there. sounds like we've lost the congressman. That's too bad. He was in the middle of talking to us, uh, as you heard there, about the objectives of this China task force, a task force which has been in the works for some time now. Uh, some of the objectives, uh, I think we have the, the congressman back now. Uh, sir, are you there?
2: Yeah, I am. And see, China was mad about what I was going to say, so they blocked <laughs> us. I'm showing you that's the kind of power they have.
1: Exactly right. <laughs>
2: no, no. Uh, well, I mean, look, China China has an ambition to be not just one of, but to be the single dominant influence in the world, militarily, politically, economically, diplomatically, and culturally. This is a goal. It's not something they're hiding. And they're moving methodically towards that goal. By the 100th creation of the Communist Party in China, which is 2048, they expect to be the single dominant power in the world. And, uh, and this, is, this task force is, a, is an opportunity for us to recognize that and to uh, you know, look at everything from coronavirus to military to intelligence to counterintelligence to supply chain to education. I mean, there's a broad scope to this as we begin to look about how can we live with China peacefully but at the same time not allow just the, the evil that communism and the oppression that comes with communism uh, will if we allow them to continue to grow unfettered.
1: What will, what will be the ultimate product uh, of this China task force? What will, you, will you recommend legislation? Will you put together a report? Will you have any authority to bring about legislation yourself? What, what will the task force be able to do?
2: Yeah, everything that you just said. I mean, it will be a report that is going to be very readable. Uh, we had our first meeting this morning, and one of the arguments I was making was we're dealing with some incredibly sensitive uh, subjects, quantum computing. Artificial intelligence, counterintelligence, uh, those are highly classified. And yet, uh, as I said, we can't create a classified document. Now we can have a classified annex, and we should. But the document itself has got to be available to the American people and readable so that, you know, you and I, my wife, uh, you know, people in academia, people in business, business leaders, everyone can pick it up and actually learn from it. But you know, informing the American people is just the beginning. After that we've actually got to create legislation that deals with some of these things. And there's all sorts of ideas out there. A lot of these that we're not we're not starting at zero lead. A lot of this has been worked on for several years. And it would be kind of bringing all of that together, some of those legislative ideas together and trying to move them forward.
1: In my own personal, uh, professional life, I spent some time as a congressional aide in Washington, D.C. You and I used to uh, share the hallways and cross paths. I have seen the formation of many task forces, and sometimes they are not as robust or taken as seriously as others. Uh, sometimes there's not much staff or resources dedicated to the uh, completion of the objectives of these task, for task forces. It's been my impression thus far that this uh, this China task force is a little bit different.
2: Yeah, this one's got teeth. And, you know, what you said about a task force is true. I mean, I don't want to say they're a dime a dozen because we don't do many of them, but we do... Some that have either less importance or they're overcome by other events. I think a lot of cases that's what happens. Hey, we got a problem. Well, let's create a task force. By the time the task force actually does something, the problem in many cases has been resolved or people have moved on. Not going to be the case in this, in this situation. I mean, China's not going anywhere. And this relationship that we have to deal with China certainly is going to be a, a challenge for us in six months and six years. Uh, the second thing is that uh, we are giving it the resources. I mean, I have a dedicated staff member who's, who, who he and I will work together on this, and that's all that person will do. So we will have a, a lot of the backbone that's necessary to actually create something. Third thing is, is that the people who are assigned to this are very, very competent and engaged members, and I'm so glad that John Curtis is on. He's one of the real bright lights in in Congress. He really is, and he hasn't been there very long. And it's another example for some reason Utah seems to, seems to send people to D.C. who have a disproportionate influence for you know a little state out here in the Midwest. And, and uh, John has a background on foreign affairs and, and some other things that are going to be really valuable on this. So, no, this, this is, this is going to have meaning. And in fact, I said, Lee, I'm sorry, I'm going too long, but I'll just conclude with this. I said this morning to the group, I said, this may be some of the most important things any of us do in Congress if we do this right. And I think that's, I think that's true.
1: Congressman Stewart, grateful to you for your service. This report put together by the China Task Force due by October 30th. We will look forward to that date to read it and, uh, and get your full report and, uh, and assessment of things. Sir, again, grateful to you for your time.
2: Thank you. And I look forward to coming back, and we'll report on this.
1: Very good. I'm going to take a quick break now. When we come back, we're going to speak to a former U.S. ambassador to China. You know him well. He's running for governor here in the great state of Utah, John Huntsman Jr. As these members of Congress come together and set forth their agenda on how to best accomplish their duty as members of this task force, we're going to ask someone who's been there, who's been on the front lines, who understands China, exactly what advice he would give to these lawmakers as they start their work as a task force. That's ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.
0: Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport.
1: (laughs) There's desperation and anguish.
0: More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andreas Martin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.
1: Final hour of today's program. We're talking about some things originating in China. It was announced just yesterday ...that a pair of Utah congressmen had been appointed by Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy to join the China Task Force. Now, in Congress, task forces, honestly, they are a dime a dozen. There is a task force formed to look at every issue, to analyze every angle, to tackle any question that may be present. Now, the teeth... And the authority, and the power, and the resources put behind these task forces varies. Oftentimes, there are very little, there are very few resources put behind uh, to support these task forces. But I happen to know that this China task force is different. There are some real resources. Uh, there is money there are staffers there is a timeline laid out there are clear objectives that sets it apart from so many of the other task forces you hear and always be uh, be skeptical and do your research when you hear about these task forces uh, because they are kind of extra legislator they operate uh, just a little bit outside of the uh, regular order, it's called, there in Washington. Their objective is typically to give recommendations and to present a report and to shed light on, on various circumstances. And I can bet you that the legislative recommendations in the report that's delivered by this task force on October 30th will have some fascinating uh, and actionable information once it's delivered. Now, I want to talk to someone who knows about China. There's a Utahan uh, served as U.S. ambassador to China, and he joins me on the line now. Uh, John Huntsman, Jr., sir, how are you?
3: Lee, I'm great. How are you doing, my friend?
1: I'm hanging in there. I'm still broadcasting from my guest bedroom. I'd like to be back in the newsroom. I miss my friends there. Otherwise, I'm doing all right. About
3: time to get back in the saddle.
1: Tell tell my bosses that that's great.
0: <laughs>
1: Listen, you you I'm sure are aware of this task force and the objectives before them. Let me just ask you very frankly: What advice would you give them as they commence their work here?
3: Well, I, I've I've appeared and testified before a lot of these congressional task forces, and um, uh, I haven't seen a lot of them produce much substance as it relates to the U.S.-China relationship, which the, is the biggest challenge we have today in the world. And will continue to be as far as the eye can see into the future. And the biggest issue before us right now—I mean, you can name—you know—the top ten list of concerns that people have. But right now, it is: when did China know about the outbreak of the coronavirus? They lied about it. Um, how long did they hold the information? And, uh, and ultimately, what were, the, uh, what were the injuries that were suffered by the United States? And I think they're significant because we, we first knew about the coronavirus um, in China in early November. They kept it under wraps, obviously, for reasons of control uh, until late January. So in that period of months, You had probably 5 million people leave the Hubei province, which is where Wuhan, where the outbreak occurred, is located. They went all over the world. So they lied, and everyone suffers the implications. That's the biggest issue we face right now with the Chinese. So as it relates to the task force, I would say, first of all, does it have a bipartisan element? It does not that concerns me a lot because the Chinese know how to divide and conquer, and they'll know exactly that it isn't a, a unified group. Now, if the United States Congress can't figure out a way of making a national interest out of the coronavirus challenge that we all face, then something's gone horribly wrong. What would really resonate with the Chinese as opposed to another you know working group or task force, which they're probably not going to take too terribly seriously, would be Congress, making an expression about America's outrage with respect to the coronavirus and what we are prepared to do longer term about it, a unified expression of Congress. That's the kind of thing that the Chinese fear. They fear us when we're unified and together. They don't fear us when we're divided because they figure that's never going to amount to very much at all
1: how are there possibly various how are there different sides of this issue how is it that we remain divided in congress in your estimation
3: you know i think that there, there is first of all not not a unified sense of, of how we should handle the relationship with China is probably part of it, but second is just the good old political divide. I mean, we're we're again putting politics ahead of national unity and national interest, which is a crying shame, uh, and that's that's just part and parcel of, of, of where we find ourselves today, and because of that divide. So when, when people ask what is our greatest national security challenge right now, well, you can say China, you can say Russia, you can name other things. One of our biggest national security challenges right now is our inability to unify around big objectives. This is a big objective. China is a challenge. It's not going away anytime soon. It's been rising for decades. I mean, what it's doing today in terms of its malign influence and its intelligence capabilities and its ability to deploy a blue water navy, for example, and snoop around yeah. the world, this stuff is not new. It's gone on for a very, very long time. The money they're pouring into their systems and their capabilities are much upgraded, and their reach ha- has uh, has expanded substantially. But they've been doing this for a very, very long time. So back to the task force, Lee, you say, how can you best make use of the voice of Congress in a way that would really get the attention of the Chinese? Well, number one, you have to figure out how you're going to unify that uh, expressed voice. Because if you can't figure out some way to unify a voice among all members of Congress, all of whom are citizens of the United States of America, all of whom should have huge concerns about the lying and cheating on the part of the Chinese as it relates to the biggest pandemic we've seen in 100 years, then we've got a bigger problem in Congress right now that somehow needs to be fixed. But that's the one thing that I, if I were sitting in front of this group, I'd say, let, let's first of all figure out where we want this, this commission to go. What do we want to produce? What do we want the end product to be? And what do we intend for that uh, that impact to be on the Chinese and their behavior? Uh, and uh, it's it's going to be tough without any sense of a unified Congress at this point.
1: Fascinating. The question as to whether or not China is a friend or a foe may uh, – or your answer to that question may depend on where your political allegiances lie here in the United States, huh?
3: Well, there, <laughs> there will be areas where we collaborate. I mean, they're uh, our largest trading partner right now and probably will remain that. Uh, for some time, we do education and scientific research and all this stuff, but they're also uh, our greatest foe as it relates to the malign influence that uh, they're propagating around the world, namely toward the United States and the rise of their military capabilities, no question about it. So y- you can't serve in China without walking away realizing that they have one goal in mind, and, and that is to, uh, to, to to challenge the United States uh, in, in all spheres, to make sure that they can go up against us pound for pound in, in every sector of the economy and every realm of defense, uh, their schools, their institutions, they want they want par- they want parity with us, uh, and to be able to outdo us longer term, because they're not a free society, and because it's totalitarianism and and, and in a sense authoritarianism as well. Um, they, they're they limited in terms of what they can do as a society. They can't go up against an innovative, free entrepreneurial society like us where we have civil society and free expression. They, they can't, and they know that. So they're going to try to take us on in other realms like the intelligence sphere and like cyber and things like that. But so long as we play our game right, we will do just fine over time. I have no doubt about that. And this takes me right back to Congress. This is exactly a point in time, an example of where we should have a unified voice in Congress against something that is so obviously in the interest of the United States.
1: Well, let that be the final word. John Huntsman, Jr., sir, I'm grateful to you for your time, former U.S. ambassador to China, candidate for governor, the great state of Utah. Everything going well on that front?
3: are great we're having a, we're having a wonderful time it's a little bit like running a campaign as a political prisoner <laughs> because you, you have to you have to sit at home you can't get out with crowds and you can't do what you love to do uh campaigning
1: uh,
3: but we'll get there and it means you have to use a little more creativity and innovation which i don't
1: mind at all that's the way well i'm grateful to you today for your expertise and your time i wish you the very best all right <laughs> thanks lee Take it easy. Uh, We're going to take a break right now. When we come back, we're going to turn our attention to Europe, specifically Europe 75 years ago today. It was 75 years ago today that uh, Europe declared victory uh, over Nazi Germany. Nazi Germany issued its unconditional surrender of its armed forces to the allied forces. It was a great day of celebration, a great day of celebration under the leadership of Winston Churchill. Uh, We're going to look at some of his words and, in fact, how— VE Day was celebrated here in the state of Utah 75 years ago today. That's all coming up on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.